Hi, I'm Madeline Peterson, and if you're a filmmaker or screenwriter, I have a festival that you should definitely submit to. It's called First Frame International Film Festival. The festival is in its inaugural year, and their mission is to create the bridge to opportunity from your first frame. This industry is about who you know, and because of that, a good amount of talented filmmakers and screenwriters go undiscovered. We want to share our resources and connections to undiscovered talent so that they have a chance to be seen and succeed. We are on Film Freeway and Festome. You can submit those projects there. And you can follow us on Facebook at First Frame IFF. And if you want a promo code, my email is madelinefirstframe at gmail.com. Once again, the festival is First Frame International Film Festival. And if you want a promo code, my email is madelinefirstframe at gmail.com. Thank you. All right. We're here with Joe Dutra, and he knows it's dedication time. Joe, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? I'd like to dedicate dedicate this to my aunt and uncle, who are going on vacation for their 25th anniversary. Happy, hey! Yeah. Happy anniversary, you two. Congratulations. Are they going to be listening? Uh, no idea, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Well, yeah, happy anniversary. 25 years, huh? Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. I'm going to do a dedication. Can I do a dedication? Yes. All right. I'm going to dedicate, dedicate it to Anne Margaret. She turns 80 today as we record. So That's this amazing. is, she's turned 80. So happy birthday. And Margaret, who was supposed to be a pop singer. You know, she did, was supposed to do everything. Yeah. She was an actress, pop singer, and the female version of Elvis almost. But yeah, what the heck? Yeah. Happy birthday and happy anniversary. Let's start the show. Okay, I'm back. I'm Nick uh, from the St. Paul Filmcast, and with me is Joe Dutra. And before we begin the show, I'd like to remind everybody, I'm on YouTube, Kyle and Nick on Film with Kyle Gothy. Uh, uh, we review two movies a week, so we're doing two episodes a week on YouTube. Um, please check out the, the link down below, like and subscribe, and uh, check out the options for the Patreon. Um, there's some great options already there. If you like comic books, if you like Pulp Noir, you probably like my comic book, The Green Way. I'll put the link down below. You can buy those and order those on the website, IndiePlanet.com. IndiePlanet.com. Um, check out those great options, the YouTube channel and the comic book. Uh, today we have film editor, animator, photographer, Joe Dutra. Hi. Hi. This, well, this is the second time you're on. You're coming back. Yes. Yes. Uh, for the year. second time by yourself. Yeah, two years. Two, two years. years. <laughs> uh, Joe, you've, um, I don't know, have you, what other things have you, because I've just listed the few things, have you done more than just editing? and Because you, you've been a director also. Yes, yes. I've directed a lot of my own short films, uh, um, script writing, do a lot of script writing for, for that. Um, yeah. And, 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 of course, yes, and animating, you know, been trying to do a lot a lot of that more often would you if you say the first thing is somebody you know the one of the first jobs you kind of go with animation first and then the other ones are kind of you really want to emphasize that one um or you just like to be the catch-all just do all all of it well i've i used to be the the catch-all do-all type of guy but um recently i've like found my that i i'm particularly like 
best suited towards film editing. So when you said film editor, I would say that was accurate. Like, oh gosh, yes, yes, yeah. Well, I got the wonderful privilege of watching you work because he edited my film. Yeah. I would say thanks, but uh, I don't know. There's a certain when I watch you film. There's a certain ease to it. It's almost like, yeah, I like to watch. I like it. it's almost like watching, you know, like Thomas Edison in his lab watching you work editing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I, I don't know if I compare myself to Thomas as. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it's a very, for people who don't understand film editing, it's a very tedious process kind of, isn't it? It is. It really is. I mean, there's, editing is, I feel like, is like, like the main component to making a film a film, you know? Yeah. I mean, sure, you, I mean, sure, when it comes like to like the filming part, you know, you get all the acting down, you know, you get all the shots you need, but it's the editing that really get is where you, you really make the magic happen, you know? Like, you know, you, you know, you choose the shots that best fit that scene, you know, you get that music that, you know, that fits the tone of, of the whole of the, of the whole tone of the movie and you right. know, it's just you know and a lot of times you know you just you look at it and you're and you just wonder like is this good or should I do more you know and it's just it yeah. just keeps coming coming back to you well a lot of times you get film editing you get credited for a lot of the stuff but you also get discredited for a lot of stuff but you only you're pretty much working with what you've been giving also yeah even though there is a talent skill but you're also working with what they gave you yes exactly exactly you can't really manufacture anything plus always my favorite thing is you can't cut from nothing so you always have to make more of something yeah uh i think when i made my film we made about 15 minutes of film but we know we're not gonna have a 15 minute film we're gonna have a 10 minute film so yeah yeah um, that's an intentional and sometimes what I always appreciate it when people do the safety take yeah. I, when I do that too it's like all right we got what we wanted but just for safety let's have some fun and maybe we can do even slightly better yeah exactly exactly you know so, I, I always like to look all the at all the clips you know I, I get because you know like one one take might be better than the other and you know and one take, you know, like in one scene, like there might be a tiny little error in there, but I'm just like, oh, but the but the performance is really good, though, you know, in, in this particular shot. So, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. well the, the, I would mention like the movie The Godfather mm-hmm. when Al Pacino kills the guys at the, the diner. Yeah. And he walks towards the camera and drops the gun. There's a mistake there. He actually bumps the camera and you can see the camera shake. Oh. But... It was the best take of all, even though we don't even we don't even, we won't even notice unless you're really looking for it now. Yeah. But still, they weren't going to use that until Coppola. Wrote, That's the best performance. Let's keep it in there, even though he bumped the camera. You can see it shake. Let's just use it. So, yeah. right, there might be some mistakes and there might be a little blemishes in it. But if it's if the performance is really good, don't take it out. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, where did you learn editing? Um. Well, I I guess. I guess I would say I really first learned it back during high school. I went to a technical school called the East Valley Institute of Technology back in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah, okay. Yeah, during like during my junior and senior year, and uh, I really was taught a lot of basic editing like uh, at that school, and it it really just helped me start making my own short films and whatnot. And after after that, when I graduated, I just uh, I did. Uh, did a lot of self-teaching, uh, just watching videos and whatnot, because there weren't really, like, too many 
or or any film schools like back in Arizona, and I was going just going to a community college at the time, so just like a lot of self self teaching like during those years. And yeah. when I finally came here to Minnesota back in 2016, I went to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, and I took a film editing class there, which really taught me the like basically more the the art of editing than like the the fundamentals of it, you know. How to transition from even the, a certain sound can transition a scene. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, know, we even like, put that in my movie, I think, yeah. where that sound actually enhances the editing. Yeah, and, and how like how a particular shot like can like add to the, the depth of a scene, you know, where it'd be like a medium shot or a wide shot, you know. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, since I've done my first film, and I've been watching movies my entire life, I, I'm sure you and I both collective watched about a thousand movies together, <laughs> over a thousand movies. But now that you've done, now that I've done my first film, I pay attention more to editing than I did ever before. Yeah, and I think that's probably what, you, especially when you watch somebody else's film, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, even if you have the two-person conversation and how you film that, where they're standing and talking, will you do the close-up or are you just going to do the? How you're going to entertain the dialogue is probably a puzzle that you have to figure out as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to make it even interesting when two people are talking, and how do you put the pieces together? Yeah, yeah. So, do you have a particular favorite film editor? Oh man, oh man. No. <laughs> you know, it's just strange. I no, even though I edit my own films, I don't really. Like look at the names too often of, of film editors, like for films. Besides, besides uh, Brian Singer's like editor uh, or former editor uh, yeah. John Ottoman, which because he's also his uh, composer for it. For, well, for his uh, films. the only reason I ask is because I think a lot of people will understand directors, right? Yeah. And especially even editors yourself, yeah. like name a good editor. It's going to draw a plank because it's like a it's like a job that people kind of forget about almost. Yeah. Even though I consider it probably the most important job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, uh, there's actually a lot of directors I like that also edit their own films, like uh, the Coen Brothers and Steven Sonnenberg. You know, they. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they use pseudonames, you know, but uh, it, they do that. I think that's to get away from their the union thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. They use the cinema. They edit their own films. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like to be on set? For a film that you know you're gonna edit, um, I don't. I actually don't mind too much because, well, it just for one, it saves me the hassle of traveling. <laughs> 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 and two, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And two, it just it's it, you know, as long as I get good direction, on like on what like they want, like the film to look like and everything, it it. I still know what I what I need to do and, yeah. and and everything. Like you, you gave me good direction for for cycle. I think we even gave you like a, the storyboards as well. Mm-hmm. So now yeah, I you think, did. Does that kind of help also when you add editing? It does. It does. You know, I mean, when I'm giving, I mean, it's nice when I'm giving free reigns like on a project and 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 everything because you know it, it does give me like just more of a more uh, what's the word a. Uh, creative control but it's also yeah. just nice like just receive some direction so at least that way i have more of a clear view of like where yeah. this road's gonna end like if that makes sense um if you you know marty scorsese has been working with 
Thelma Shoemaker yeah. for many years. Thelma is yeah, uh, she's many. a wonderful editor. Yeah, he exclusively is. works with her. And I love her quote because yeah. somebody interviewed her about Marty's violence in films. And she, she said, Marty's films aren't violent until I start editing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forget this. I forget this guy's name, but I read a book or at least a, a part of a book of his. And he says like he like cause he, he's an editor and he sort of like treats like each like each cut like like blinking, you know, like each shot is like that cuts is like like a blink of the eye, you know. Which I really thought right. was interesting, you know, because, you know, we could, it kind of just gives you a, because you have to remember, like, when you're editing, you're, you're, you also need to think about not just like how it looks like from a filmmaker standpoint, but well, how the audience are going is going to look at it, you know? Yeah, 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 because you need some. Even though I think people think, well, that was a great scene, but did you notice how many cuts were in there? Yeah. Well, that scene was very long. Well, how many cuts was it? I didn't notice that. And that's, I think that's good editing. Yeah. Even though sometimes you don't recognize the importance of work in there because a really smooth cut yeah. is probably the best thing. It probably gets you great joy yeah. too to have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Birdman, you know, that's, I mean, that film, made, like the editors, like, like, I mean, they, they made it look like it was just like a one take film. I mean, cause I mean, yeah. cause it was, I know like there had to be cuts like somewhere in between there because, you know, because I mean, just a film, a, make a film like that is just, you know, in, impossible. You know. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the the illusion that it's almost a single take. Exactly. Right. No, same with 1917 and uh, and the Revenant. Revenant. You know, just. It like, seems like it's just smooth and effortless. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Did you see 1917 in the theater? I did. 1917. Oh, it was so good. You know. Yeah. I. Didn't you like almost? If, yeah, I mean, even though you're a film editor, you must have felt like me. Like, oh my god, it's dark. When did it turn dark? Yeah. Well, I mean, it it turned dark when he when the guy got shot in the head by the German soldier and he was knocked unco- unconscious. But uh, that's the yeah, that's yeah. the catalyst, right? Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, like even like 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 before and after that, like you there you cannot tell like if there's like a like a film break going on or anything, you know, you just feel like it's just one continuous take, you know. Right. I feel like that's like why like why I think I like nineteen seventeen, like the best out of like the Revenant and and Birdman, because like with those films it just it's a bit more obvious. But with nineteen seventeen I can't the it's just Where did you cut? Exactly. Yeah. I can't I can I can't find it. You you, know? you get mad at him. You bastards, where'd you cut? Exactly. It's it's beautiful, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. yeah. Well did you I, I don't know there's great um behind the scenes of how they use mathematics to pace everything and yeah. how the lighting and where the certain times and how do you had a the actor had to run or where to move to get everything and how they use crane shots to get yeah. into the water and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um what a marvel achievement. Right, yeah. Uh, do you can you watch movies without critiquing the editing, or that's just something that just pops out at you? Um, usually, usually I can. I mean, I mean, if it if there's like a really badly edited scene, I'll be like, "What the hell is that?" But you, <laughs> usually, I'm able to like, yeah, I'm usually like I'm able to like turn that side off of me and just like just like be entertained like by what I'm watching, you know. But a good movie makes you not pay attention to editing, doesn't it? Yes, yes it does. Like yeah. s- such films like ni- 1917 or or you know or Birdman or you know etc, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the my favorite be- one of one of the films I consider is the best edited film is The French Connection. Oh. 
And I think that's wonderfully, even the car chase, because everything is, well, that was a great car chase. But you're not following the car the entire time. You actually found the action on the train wholesale and the whole action of coming together, really clashing together in the sound and everything. Yeah. But I still regard it as one of the best edited films I ever did see. Oh, oh and I was going to mention, because you haven't seen it yet, the one that won the Oscar, Sound of Meadow, and you haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're going to see it? Absolutely. I just, I got to get around to it. So. <laughs> one thing, yeah, one thing people forget that when we work in movies that we're sitting at home just watching all the movies, but we're actually busy making them too. Oh, you know, you know what? I just you, you asked me like who I think might be my favorite editor, or at least one I like. I at least like pay attention yeah. more than others. It's probably uh, Sally. I'm. I don't know if I'm gonna like get that the name right, but Sally uh, Mank, like for the the one who edited Quentin Tarantino's film until like. Uh, yeah, until, yeah, until, that's right. She was editing, and then she passed away. Yeah, which was which was terrible. She was a phenomenal editor, you know. Like, uh, let's take Jackie Brown for instance. You know, I like do. the yeah. scene, like this, the way the scene when uh, when Jackie or when Ordell like meets Jackie at her house, you know, and uh, the scene like where like you know he like she he takes turns off the light and just like it things like just start to really. You know, claustrophobic and climatic. Yeah, yes, it does. Because you know he's about to kill her, but then like, like it just like the picture just sort of like has like this. Forget what it's called, but split screen. Yeah, split screen. Like with uh, Robert Forster's character Max Cherry, you know, and he's going home, and then you know, and like as he's getting like getting playing his hands around her throat and everything, it just like he it cut it just shows him like going into the glove his glove compartment, and boom, his gun's gone, and then. You hear the sound of the gun. Gun, cock, that's gun, right. Gun cocking, and then like, oh shit! All right, that's right, that's right, that's fabulous. I forgot. Is, I mean, the timing on that and is just is just great. It's and it's just yeah. like it's just like one of many great examples about it, film editing. Right there, Split screen know? is a kind of a lost technique, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, but, I'm I'm gonna say it's almost like the the hook shot in basketball is gone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lost art. But yeah. uh, split screening on film is a lost art. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would you ever want to try it? Um, if I could, f- I mean, if I could figure out a way to make it work, absolutely. You know, right? But, I'm trying to think. I think of Tarantino and Brian De Palma are the only ones that really, really use it very much anymore. Yeah, I don't know if anybody really. It's almost like it's almost like having a crash symbol on your drum set. You don't want to use it all the time. You just want to find out the right time to use it. Yeah. And Tarantino found the right time to use it in yeah. Jackie Brown. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and uh, same thing with Pulp Fiction, you know, because, I mean, that's just like a lot of nonlinear story, storytelling going on in that. And, you know, it, re- it could have easily just fell fell apart because of it. But I feel like, you know, him and Sally Mank really made it work, you know, just like like choosing which, you know, which storylines go where. Where do we start? We're going to start in the middle or start in the end, exactly. right? Exactly. Like who we're going to follow? We're going to follow this or we're going to mm-hmm. follow that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think people were kind of surprised about that, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. Exactly. I remember in film studies, my final exam test was what was the book John Tavolta was reading in the bathroom in Pulp Fiction. And that's the only question I never got. I didn't get it. It was a Pulp Fiction magazine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Modesty Blaze, yeah. which is a pulpy. She's like a female version of James Bond from the 1960s. She has her own movie. Modest, her name's Modesty Blaze. Yeah, that's cool. And I got that one because I wasn't paying attention to what the book is. It's hard to find. It's yeah. hard to notice right away. Yeah. 
But it's a reference to the style that the movie's about, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I I didn't notice this like the first few times I watched it, but the opening scene, you know, like when Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer are just talking about like their whole talking about like you know robberies and everything, like simultaneously, like uh, <laughs> like they're like uh, uh, um. John Travolta's and Samuel Jackson's character are, are coming in. Like they're well, they're they're having their own conversation and like and what and what Samuel Jackson's gonna do, like Jules. I'm sorry, I, I, Jules, he's talking about what he's gonna do with his life after like having that whole, you know, like yeah. revelation about things. Yeah. You know? Like that's literally going on at the same time he they're having their conversation, which was yeah, if you watch the beginning of the movie again, you can see John Travolta with his Santa Cruz shirt walking yeah, he, past them. Yeah, exactly. You know, as they as they're talking, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those clever things of you. It's rewatchable to pay attention a little bit more. Exactly. And if you like movies, you can understand where they lift a lot of things, like mm-hmm. the the I think it was uh, like in the movie Cycle when she's at the car and she sees her boss walk past yeah. and she drives away, and that's almost like borrowing from the Bruce Willis scene. Yeah. He almost is his mob boss walking past, but he hits her. Yeah. Yeah, editing was definitely a big thing, you know, for Alfred Hitchcock's films, you know, just like yeah. ver- like Vertigo, you know, and uh, have you seen Vertigo? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. 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 It's kind of weird. The beginning of it is very dreamy like. Yeah. But it's cameras is focusing on a woman's face, yeah. <laughs> which is like it had to be when they actually did it, it had to seem a little bit awkward. I can see Alfred just going to the model. All we're going to do is put the camera right at your eyeball mm-hmm. and right at your mouth. And don't say anything. And then it's <laughs> okay, right? Yeah. yeah. I do. When I was younger, I didn't appreciate Vertigo, but now I appreciate it much more than I do. Yeah. You know, speaking of, you know, I as a kid, there were probably like a lot of films I didn't appreciate, like like the first time watching watching it than I did like as I got older. Like one of them was probably uh, the film Good Night and Good Luck, which was about like uh, Ed Darrow. Is that, is Ed uh, Murrow. Ed Murrow. Right, yeah, and, and yeah. You know, just like the time like when Joe McCartan, McCarthy was going at, like after the whole Communist Party and everything. Yeah, that was George Clooney directing. Yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, at the time, the first time I, the very first time I watched it, I was just really bored by it, you know? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I was just like, can something happen or whatever? Can we have a car chase in the middle of this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would understand. Yeah, I, would, I greatly appreciate it because, uh, yeah. and we, I talked to it with, with Kyle when we do YouTube, our yeah. YouTube videos, that there's certain movies that he critiqued when he was in college that now, when he's a little bit older, yeah. have a different opinion about it just because he's kind of, you get a little bit older, you appreciate a little bit things yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. Or there's sometimes where I thought something was the greatest movie and I don't appreciate it much anymore. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes away. Yeah. Like, same with the Big Lebowski, you know. Like, the first time I watched it, I thought, like, yeah, this is funny. I don't really get it, but uh, it's it's funny. And now <laughs> I watch it, and now, like, sec- then I watched it again, and I'm just like, this film's, like, the greatest comedy ever made, you know. Well, uh, not the greatest comedy ever made, but one of the greatest comedies ever made. Sure, you know? right, but, right. I just, I like it because the Coen brothers were going to make their version of The Big Sleep, which is... yeah. A big mess. It's about nothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, it's just... It's does it have an ending? It's just nothing. I mean, it's just following a guy who, you know, is just, like, not really doing anything. I mean, he gives a shit about a rug for, like, 
you know, for like a second, but it doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't really come back. And he's only, <laughs> and the only reason he like gets, he like gets like put into these other storylines is because he basically gets dragged into it. You yeah. Know? He does. He doesn't want to. Yeah. And, and by the time, yeah. sorry, but by the time it's all done, you know, like, like all that stuff that happened, like that's still, you know, unsolved, like. Yeah. It still remains unsolved because, you know, he doesn't care, you know? Right. It's not his problem, you know? Was there actually a crime? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, well, yeah, Stevie did get murdered, but that's... <laughs> right. Yeah, that that was that was terrible. That was terrible. Right, yeah. Is, there, is it easier to edit dramas and comedies? Or is there certain dramas that are a little more easier to manage? Or all of them is this kind of your, your own unique thing? Oh. <sighs> Hmm. I would definitely say, yeah, I would say they're their own unique thing because I've done a few comedies. Like, I feel like more more of the acting and the writing is more is more uh, more important component in those type of things because yeah. you know because like you really do when it comes to comedies, you really do pay attention to like what the person is saying and that type type of thing. Because I I made I made a black comedy like a few years ago, you know, yeah, and that's right. It was like. Like when I was writing that script, it was important for me just to make sure like what I was writing was funny, you know, and you know yeah. that people would get a laugh out of it. And thankfully, it did. It 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 did because it won best comedy at uh, like a, f- a few years ago, which was great. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it did. I thought that I thought that was actually amazing. What was the name of again? The locker room mascot massacre. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. You yeah. can find that on YouTube. It, it <laughs> you got to repeat it again. If I, what was it called? Locker. The locker room mascot massacre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's. I was actually. I was really surprised by that, though. I mean, because I was trying to. I I wanted it to be funny, but it was nice, like that. People thought it was that funny, you know. Right, yeah, and it's and. I think everybody can find it on YouTube, right? Yes, they, it you. I mean, if you type that in, I'm pretty sure it'll like, uh, it'll you'll get you'll find it. Comedy's hard, man. I still, when I'm writing, I don't know, I don't know because I can't write a full fledged comedy. That's that's a unique skill. Yeah. Um. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it certainly wasn't easy. I actually did have to like rewrite rewrite it a, a few times just to get to where it is to to the final project it was now. You yeah. Know? And sometimes, and be, and sometimes that's that's sometimes due to like just budget constraints and you know like people who you might you have to drop out, you know, because I mean sometimes you you know you write a script, you know, you have more characters that are in there, but sometimes you're not able to get everyone yeah. in. Sometimes you're not able to cast every everybody for a role, so you got to rewrite rewrite it where you can just fit the people that you're. You know, able to you know put into the movie, if that makes sense. Would you ever like try to do like a comedic animation? Oh, I mean, I have. Yeah. You know. Shut up, really. Uh, yeah, I did. Well, how uh, did I miss that? Well, I, uh, I mean, well, it's been a couple of years. Since okay. <laughs> I did a. So you did your an, an animation one? Yeah, I did, and it was. It's called Dead Mouse. It's a it's a mixture of Mickey Mouse and Deadpool. You know. Shut the hell up! No, it's really? true. You see, I I came up with the concept after I at after I learned that Disney was buying Fox. Ah, there you go. Yeah. And Rob Leffield, the guy who created Deadpool, he put this uh this 
image on his Instagram of dead, and it's like a painting. It's it's Deadpool like, <laughs> t- uh, like taking his sword out and his gun and walking towards the Magic Kingdom of Disney. You know, <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> and that I don't know. That just sparked the idea from there. You know, I yeah. I did like just an original like teaser like back during the summer uh, 2019, and then. And then, like, I had, I took a character animation class, like, that yeah. that fall, and yeah. I just used that class to, like, make these, like, little animated shorts of, of Dead Mouse, you know, just, like, doing, like, doing this, like, having these, like, little a- adventures and s- just doing, like, little things with, with a comedic... Not being a superhero. Yeah, just doing, just, like, something with a comedic effect to it, you know? Yeah. You I can, don't know. Is yeah. Deadpool a superhero? I mean, he's an anti-hero, I would say. Right, yeah. I would say that. But yeah, I mean, you can also find that on on YouTube on my on Dead my, Mouse. Yeah, Dead Mouse, one word. Yeah, because yeah. you have a YouTube channel. I do. It's, is that on? Is it on there? It is. Okay. It is. All right. Well, how the hell did I miss that? Because I subscribed to your channel. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you just. I guess you You're just gonna didn't have, see it. Yeah, I start seeing it. You got to make T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you caught up mostly on like animation? Can you have you watched other people's animation? Because there were. Oh, um, oh yes, yes. I mean. I mean, there's a lot of great independent animation out there, you know, mostly 3D, but that's that's okay. I mean, it's still really good. Um, yeah, right. I, we're going to, on my YouTube channel, Kyle and I kind of film, we're going to talk about um, animation probably in the fall. Oh, and cool. I think uh, 20, I think it was five years ago, 2016, we had Red Turtle. And, ah. uh What is Yobo, how do you say it? Yobo's Two Strings? A Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and the Kubo Two Strings. And the two, strings. Yeah. two great full feature animations oh, in the same year. So good. And it did not, it did barely got any love at the theaters, man. That was. Because it's animation, right? Well, I mean, I feel like one, it didn't really get too much marketing. And well, two, like the, the animation, it, it did stop motion, you know, it just, it's kind of a, it's sort of just becoming a a dying art art form in in the animation world which is really a shame because there's like really many great films like made with that technology you know like like the nightmare before christmas you know and right the, yeah what was the do- one with the dog and the island uh, uh, wes anderson's i think it oh was. yeah Isle, isles of the dogs or? there you go i think <laughs> i think it was called something like that yeah west was it wes anderson's I, yeah. isles of dogs was that stop that had to be stop animation if i recall I think my listeners would know, right? Yeah, yeah, that was also stop animation. But that's hard business, man. Unless you know Nick Parks, Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean that stuff. I mean it's a long process. I mean you got like just move like each each part just like like a millimeter at a time. You know, like just make it look like it's full fledged. And take a mo- picture. Exactly. And then we do next. Take a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Have you done it before? Uh, yeah. Uh, they were very very. <laughs> <laughs> this was way before I even like just like started having like I really even got into the uh, like making video business, but the, they were very very amateur. I, they were <laughs> well, just, you got to start somewhere. You're they, not gonna yeah. They yeah. were they were horrible, you know. But uh, we got to try, right? Yeah, I think it's a hard process, and I think it's interesting to yeah. get involved. But right, nobody thinks it's like split screens. It's kind yeah. of a lost art form. Yeah, honestly, I I feel like you know. A, I feel like I've actually sued after after trying everything. I think I I'm best suited with 2D animation. You know, it's what I love the most. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're gonna take a little break here with Joe, and we back. And I have a question for him. Uh, you can think about. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit after break. When we come back from break, Terrence Malick. 
Cool. Hi, everybody. This is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast. And I want to talk to you about a book that's available to pre-order. It's from a previous guest of the show and a good friend of the show, Dennis Vogan. Dennis is an acclaimed writer for many years, releasing novelas like Thea, Flipped, and Them, and creating comic books like uh, The Brush Fire and my personal fave, The Weirdos. Here he collects blogs, posts, essays, loose change from nearly half a decade. They cover a spectrum of topics from comic books to sobriety, from outer space to his dog, pop culture, spirituality, nostalgia, the multiverse, and from joy to grief and everything in between. You'll find that Dennis Vogan is a lot of things, and for better or for worse, and he has a lot to say. Check out the book. It's called Time is a Solid State. Time is the Solid State. Available on Amazon or on his website, DennisVogan.com. Check it out today. Hi, everybody. This is Nick for the St. Paul Filmcast, and I want to talk to you about a great place here in the Twin Cities for your next social gathering event. It's the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. The Serbian Hall in South St. Paul is now open. Built in 1924, it is a unique historic venue perfect to host your next wedding, social gathering, corporate event, or any kind of celebration. The hall has over 9,000 square feet of historic charm perfect for your event. With a ballroom upstairs and a classic bar and reception downstairs, it has the flexibility to meet all your needs. From start to finish, to help you coordinate with every detail. Book now for 2021 graduations. Spaces are filling up fast. Visit their website, www.serbianhall.com. You can also find them on Facebook. They just can't wait to work with you. Your next social gathering event, think the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. Hey everyone, Brian Thomas here from the former The Batman vs. James Bond show and the upcoming The Night Cave show. Do you like noir, black and white, gritty murder mysteries? Do you like crime stories or even pulp comics? Then you're going to love Nick Palatichuk's debut graphic novel entitled The Greenway. It's 1968, and Butch Schultz, a black market merchant, finds that his friend has been murdered in a mansion in St. Paul. Now he is out looking for who did it, while the city's best detectives are on the case. Nick's graphic novel is already getting rave reviews, let me tell you. Zero Supervision Comics Podcast says, a dark, intriguing story that makes you want to know more. The Glenn Thinks Stuff Podcast says, it's explosive, captivating, and alluring. And actor Kyle Hester from The Chair, Zombie with a Shotgun, and Preacher Six says, can't wait for this book. You got to get on this. Order your copy today at Indie Planet, A New World of Comics. That's www.indieplanet.com. Hard copies and digital copies are available, and now digital copies are only $5. That's where I said it, just $5. So make sure you order yours today. All right, we're back with Joel Dutra. One of the things um, you and I kind of, well, formulate a relationship on is our appreciation for Terrence Malick. Yeah. <laughs> Which we both agree that is kind of in this business. He doesn't really have access to pop out because it's just he releases films at their certain wrong time. Yeah, yeah. And plus, uh, plus, yeah. I mean, the content, the content of his films, they're not exactly like for mainstream audience. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's not going to be your popcorn flick. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> Yeah. But do you have a particular favorite of his? Uh, the Tree of Life. I would say that is probably my favorite film of all time right there. Really? Yes. Yeah, 100%. And that's his, I think it's his most recent one. Uh, well, actually, his most re- recent is A Hidden Life. Which okay, he, that, I, I'm getting my life ones right. Okay. Yeah. The Tree of Life was 
made back in 2011, and uh, it was it was sort of like a semi autobiographical film about his childhood. You know, Brad Pitt's in it, Jessica Jessica Chastain. Um, yeah, yeah, a really good film. I mean, yeah, but it's weird because it like combines his um, his childhood like with the with with the making of the universe, uh, basically, you know, <laughs> right. like, I mean, when, yeah. I mean, at one point it just starts like with the whole, like, uh, the whole, you know, asteroid uh, colliding and in, like, well, actually not, at not even that, like the whole, like you, you big bang, the whole big bang itself, you know, <laughs> starts the movie. Yeah. Yes. But, well, it doesn't start the movie. It actually comes in like 20 minutes, like 10, 20 minutes, like, like later into the film, which I thought was interesting, you know. Okay, after talking about this, I'm gonna have to realize I have to go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see, I, I didn't see Hidden Life. It came out too late. It came out uh, like in December. Yeah, I, I got I got lucky and was able to actually see it in theaters. Um, at a it was like one. It was at a theater in Minneapolis. And yes, and thankfully, like one theater in Minneapolis is showing it. Exactly, and, and thankfully I was actually able to catch the screening of it because it's really hard just to find a theater that's close by to be able to watch a film of his, you know. It's one of those that was just, it, the weather, especially Minneapolis, was, you know, from driving from St. Paul to Minneapolis didn't just get there. The weather was just kind of could agree with me, but... For, for me, know. it was worth it. <laughs> and I don't think it got a lot of appreciation... Afterwards, it was released in December of uh, what, like 2019. Yeah, it didn't. uh, Pretty much got ignored. Yeah, which sucks because it was so good. I mean, it was probably, if if anything, it was because it was like a return to like more of a narrative form for him as well. Because the last films he did before that, um, you know, To the Wonder, Knights, uh, Knights of Cup, or Kings, Cups of Kings. No, no, no. Knights of Cup. Yeah, or. Knight of Cups. Knight of Cups. There you go. Knight of Cups. Right. Yeah, and Son the Son. They were more like these experimental, experimental, nonlinear type of surrealism. Films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, which 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 I you know which I actually did like. You know, I actually because for me, I mean, when you're watching a Terrence Malick film, it's better to like just experience it than try to understand it. You know, right? I mean, yeah. try to do the understanding later, but in them just enjoy like the moment. You know. Like that's there, you know, just the beauty of the shots, you know, the the sound of the music, you know, just just yeah. sort of just like just sink in your chair a bit and just, you know, just relax, you know. I have sense. a my one of my favorite film directors is Brian De Palma. Yeah. And one of his most celebrated movies is The Untouchables. Yeah. It's not one of my favorite Brian De Palma films because I think it's not much of a so much of his style in that movie it's too much of a narrative linear story where Brian De Palma when he makes a Brian De Palma film it's a little more voyeurism a little more play with the camera and scope Mm -hmm. and scale and sometimes even using split screens which I appreciate Mm -hmm. but right and Terrence Malick does that when he's a little more creative a little more exploratory of the median and rather than getting narrative then it gets a little bit long yeah, yeah, but they're they're not popcorn. They're not Saturday night hanging out with your friends kind of a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah let me tell you, uh, during when I took my editing editing class, like back at MCAT, we actually did watch the Tree of Life. You know, oh, you did. Yeah, okay. we had like a special. We had like a screen of it, like you know, for you know, just to understand the editing of it and everything. And 
Oh, there were so many of my classmates who just were just got sick and tired of it at the end. <laughs> 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 well, which, which was understandable because I mean, like I said, you know, his films are not for everyone. You know, you, right? You, yeah, you really got to you know lean in, like or he's a filmmaker's filmmakers yeah film film make yeah He's you have film. to enjoy film to a, film, a filmmaker's filmmaker there you go right yeah, yeah. um like uh tchaikovsky's you know yeah almost will make it almost annoyingly long so you get bored with it you t- like he says i make my movies the first time it's really boring so it gets the the annoying people out of the theater <laughs> people yeah. that enjoy it will can watch it yeah or you know or like darren aronofsky when he made mother you know yeah, that you know film, what? I've ne- I've yet to see that. one. Oh my god, man! Like, <laughs> my uncle actually asked me, like, like, is it? He actually, when I after I saw, he was like, like, is it the? Is it so bad? Is it so good? It, like, okay, I forget what the question was, but he was like, but he asked me like a question, like, is it like really something along the lines of like, is it? like really good or like just like super bad and i was like both you know because it's a really there's a lot of, i don't want to spoil it for you because i i do want you to no like, i understand i know what the whole thing is about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. everything is a metaphor yeah but i mean you i mean because but there's a lot of things that happen in that film you're just like what the what the hell you know because and it really and i can understand why it would like it would like like turn some people away because like when i when i saw it like uh, for like like I was like like one like out of like five people like in the in the whole theater mm-hmm. and the other four people who were there like left the theater <laughs> and I was like and I was like hey movie's not over and it was like I we made a major mistake seeing this so I was like okay <laughs> and again it, I could under, yeah. actually understand it because well it's gonna come up eventually on their YouTube channel that um, Kyle wants to critique it I do too because it's very uh, polarizing movie. Yes, some people yes. really do enjoy it and some people really mm. hate it and then i think that's interesting when films do that yeah and i feel yeah. like that was actually i feel like darren aronofsky knew that was gonna happen i i mean i think he was prepared for that type of thing but i got i mean i think it was very cool he just really didn't care and just made the film he wanted to make with that you know right there's a certain point where you're just going to make it for yourself and yeah. you're just going to understand some people are going to really hate it yeah. especially and that's what i say on my film sets is you know what we're not going to understand we're not going to know how people are going to accept the movie somebody some people really there are going to be people in the world no matter what you make are going to hate it there are some people that are going to in the world they're going to really enjoy it mm-hmm. you just want to one or the other so just enjoy doing what you do yeah would you ever be interested to do all of it for a movie Make your full feature directing. Direct, write, edit. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, that is hard to do it all is. of it, isn't it, it? It really is. I mean, short, I mean, I've been doing that with short films for a long time, you know, and, uh, and well, I mean, I mean, it is nice because, you know, I get to control everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it also would be nice just to, like, just to hand like the editing process to someone else, like okay, I gave you, birth to this. Now you do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you you go ahead and you go you go ahead and, and uh, I'll send you some directions over. I'm just gonna lay down in my bed for a while, just, you know, take a take a nap, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Well, there are some film directors you can see watching the movies that uh, really enjoy the process of making the movie and the production. Al, I would say yeah. Alan Parker is one of them that really enjoys the. Yeah. 
vitality and the enjoyment, the energy of making a film. Let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. Mm-hmm. Or I understand some film directors are really enjoying the process of the editing, putting it all together. And I would say like Wes Anderson is one of those. I really enjoy the process of putting it all together. Yeah. Probably in the editing room, he enjoys that much better. Where I say Alan Parker, which I more gravitate to, really loves the process yeah. of the making it. Let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. Yeah. And the energy and the enjoyment of that way. Yeah, it's... It's not that I don't love it. It's just when I get really concentrated on it, it's just it sort of just becomes like a thing, like where, where, like we're finishing it and making it look good, or becomes like more of an important uh, thing Mm -hmm. for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's still fun. It's just you know, I just sometimes you just gotta forget about the fun part of it and just focus on just making it good, you know. If somebody approached you to edit their film, what are some things that you really would appreciate them giving to you? Direction, of course. Okay. Uh, just you know, and a deadline. You know, I work, I do work good with deadlines because it just keeps me keeps me motivated. You know, just to work on it and just yeah. yeah. Also, um, it, you need the script, right? Yeah, script. Yes, of course, of course. Because that way, I know which which scenes go, which scene goes first, and everything. You know, and you, you know, storyboard uh, also does help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think people under, don't understand like the director. Well, it's just all in pieces, mm-hmm. and they'll sometimes just dump it all on your lap and like you fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, it's it's nice. Like it's it's nice when like directors do. Like, do just give me direction, you know, I mean, uh, like, you know, like you did, you know, like I said, I mean, I mean, you gave me, I mean, you. Oh, uh, that's the stump upstairs. Okay. Somebody's <laughs> mad upstairs with the dogs. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, you've, uh, you right. gave me yeah, direction. You need somebody to like, this is the vision. Yeah. And, you know, there were times, you know, you just, you know, you were with me like when I was doing the whole editing process, which was also nice because, you know, I was able to get your opinion about it like firsthand and whatnot, you know. Yeah. And it's nice when directors actually do do that because, you know, John Favreau is a, I think, a great example of that, you know. Like his making, like when I watched the doc, the making of, of Iron Man, you know, you could see just, you know, how he was paying attention to each shot during the editing process, which, like, when he was with his editor, which I thought was really cool, you know? I think if you're a director on film, you're going to have to appreciate, okay, where we're going to cut. Yeah. And I always, well, where we're going to cut, I always left a couple seconds after that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we're going to cut here, but I was like, wait, one, yeah. two. Yeah. And cut. I, yeah, I do like yeah, him. Leave a little slack. Yeah. You know, most. I do like I do like that. I I, just, I do like leaving like a little space between shots because because sometimes you know a scene might call for just like the having having that space you know yeah yeah you know just for like audience to linger on it so to speak yeah it's so it's, what the hell do you do when you're not doing film man uh watch movies TV shows <laughs> uh work yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't really have a hobby do you I like to bike ride. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's something you do outside of them. Yeah. 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 But I love bike riding. Um, I'm glad. I mean, the parks are gonna be re, uh, the parks are gonna be having music and like in the summer again, which is really nice because they couldn't do that last year because of COVID. But they're gonna be coming back this year, and I'm really looking forward to that. So I'm gonna be like coming to those parks again and just like yeah. live with my riding on my bike, listening to to the jams and whatnot. It's gonna be really fun and kind of decompress and just enjoy. 
traveling and I, exactly. I I don't like stationary bikes. I think you're like you. I don't like stationary bikes. No. I like to be on a bike and go somewhere. Uh, yes, man. Yes. I cuz you know, I love like feeling that that wind blowing, you know, you know, yeah. like you know, just through my face and everything. It's just it's nice. Do you got a GoPro to put on your head when you're biking? Uh I don't. I you don't. should, man. <laughs> I think a film editor should have a GoPro. Yeah. It's especially nice during like the just like during the afternoon, like where it's just not too hot and not too cold, you know, the temp the temperature is just right during that time. Exactly. Yeah. Ever, ever been to Lake Harriet? Lake Harriet in St. Paul. Uh, Mi- Minneapolis. Actually. Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. Well, the yeah, it's in, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I've been there many times. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 beautiful over there. You know, yeah. it's really nice to ride your bike on. Yeah, there's also a Harriet Island here. Oh really? Paul. Yeah. That's oh. what gets confusing. There's a Harriet Lake and Harriet Island. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if I'm thinking of Harriet Island. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you said initially. <laughs> so do you have a specific genre that you like, Joe, or do you like any kind of movies? Hmm. You know what? What's kind of you? I think kind of discovered you like everything almost. Yeah, I I do. I do. I mean. I do. I pretty much appreciate every type of drummer out there. But I guess you. I guess if I were to have like, like if I would like really have to pick and choose ones, it'd probably be horror and musical. You know, just yeah. because of the create creativity you get to put in those type of genres, both like filmmaking wise and writing wise. You know, and the amount of labor to make it really interesting. And, yeah, and I scary. think horror doesn't really work well unless you've got a really good editor. Yeah. Yeah. And especially musicals. Musicals not going to work very well unless you have a really good editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I tell you, I've grown. I like. I really started to appreciate musicals after I saw "Seeing the Rain." You know, with Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, and, that's and, my favorite musical. Yeah. You just nailed it. Yeah, and Debbie Reynolds. I mean, the the dancing, the songs, the storyline itself. It's just, it's just like mm-hmm. top notch. You know, when you're the dance number can explain the characters far better than any of the dialogue could. Mm-hmm. I think you're doing far more successful, and that's what musicals are about, yeah. that it can enhance the characters and develop them without any saying anything. Yeah. And that, yeah. I, I mean, it, that's why I was really excited to see La La Land, like, back in 2016. We just was, talked about it on our YouTube channel. Yeah, because it, it was a nice callback, to, like, just to, to, to that old uh, style of Hollywood and musicals, you know? Yeah. yeah, I just watched that this weekend yeah. for the YouTube channel. Yeah. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, but I, right, it's like it's the the MGN musical with Technicolor, mm-hmm. right? And then her girlfriends all wear dresses that represent the color spectrum of Technicolor with yeah. green, yellow, blue, yeah. and red. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you haven't watched it yet? I I just watched it this weekend. Yeah, I mean that's the the song the song sequence or somewhere someone in the crowd. Oh, I absolutely love that 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 moment and you know just like when that guy like lands in the pool and the cameras just swirling, follows him like and it's just swirling around all like everyone in the fireworks and i was like yes that's a musical man that's a musical moment right there it is right it was perfect timing too yeah yeah well i was like to say if he's if the camera's gonna follow him in the pool yeah we got a hit and it did it was like perfect yeah beautiful yeah. just perfect i mean damien chazelle like he 
like I mean that was a well deserved directing Oscar in my in well because he did Whiplash too yeah and, and and I mean and the film editing for both for both Whiplash and La La Land are just fantastic as well mm-hmm. you know yeah. and it's uh, both movies are about jazz and who yeah. the heck heard him with jazz I know well I know the story that he wanted to be an accomplished jazz musician yeah I think he film. wanted to be a jazz drummer actually I think which yeah so yeah. I and I think Whiplash is and it wasn't a great experience and he took movies to express yeah. Yeah, that experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I do. I even um, I liked even the opening of La La Land because, of course, if you're going to start a love story, it has. If in, in L.A., it has to take place in uh, traffic. traffic. <laughs> because that's what that's what California is all about. Traffic. Yeah. Well, you've been. Have you been to L.A. too? I have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when somebody says, "Yeah, let's go to dinner," this place is uh, two miles away. It's going to take what an hour to get there in a car. Oh wait, L. Wait, uh, L.A. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I've been to California before. I don't think I've actually been to L.A. Itself. L.A.? Yeah. It's, sorry. Sorry about that. It's foggy, man. Yeah. Even on a good day, it's like, because here is, you can see the sun and everything. But in L.A., when it's a clear day, it's still kind of yeah, it was, foggy. Yeah, when I went there, it was definitely foggy, you know. just I think that might have been because of the forest fires that were going on at the time. But, yeah, yeah. it was definitely a lot of smoke and fog. It was rather annoying actually well i did the tour because i've seen so many movies i think everybody knows where the griffin observatory is up up the hill where they make a lot of and that was ella la la land filmed up there mm-hmm. um rocketeer was filmed up there oh, that cool. scene yes man yeah. Drew, yeah so and it's easy to film up there because there's one road to go up there you could just close up the road and you could have a closed set it's cool when you can go to like a city and just find the places like that where like famous films were were mm-hmm. made, you know, like yeah. I went to New York like a couple a few years ago back in 2017. And I was able to find like this. I was able to find the place like I went to Central Park and I was able to find like the specific place like where Woody Allen shot a lot of his films, you know, like yeah. I I I don't know what it's called, but it's just this shot like where like there's like lamp posts like across from each other and it's just. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, have you have you been to now? You've been to New York City. Yeah, you've been to Chicago. I have not. Well, that's another one that probably all the movies have been yeah. made, right? Yeah, a lot of TV shows do film there. Yeah, you know, a lot of TV shows as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe, man, this is it. Yeah, did you had a good time. I had, I did. <laughs> um, thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, editing. If somebody wants to. If you're interested, would be able to. How would they reach you for editing a movie? Uh well I do have a website it's uh com. that's uh d u t r a we'll put the link down below yeah oh, we'll okay. put them so you can find yeah yeah you can also go to my YouTube channel and uh which is my name Joseph Dutra I'll D- put the link down below too cuz I got to find Dead Mouse yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and uh yeah and my Instagram at Dutra Pictures. <laughs> you put like a lot of good videos up there, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. You obviously you like it shows right through that you enjoy making film. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, as you know, it's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. All right, there we go.